Everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Neat on Belly podcast. We are your hosts, Nate and John. And John, today we are going to set you guys up with our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC Fight Night, which is headlined by Kai Kata France versus Amir Albazi. And there's some sneaky good fights on this card. I oh, will yeah. say, not a bad fight night. And in honor of Memorial Day weekend in Indiana and the Indy 500. We're going to do something called UFC 500. We'll explain that a little bit later. Stick around and per usual, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts. But first, John, how are we doing? Episode 135 of the Neon Belly podcast or, John, as some people are calling it, the number of degrees in the internal angle of a regular eight-sided octagon episode of the Neon Belly podcast. Mm. It's big. It is big. I mean, yeah. you think octagon, mixed martial arts, UFC, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a this is the internal angle, man. This is big. Yeah, I mean, you can't have an octagon without one thirty five because you need the angles, right? Absolutely. Uh, it is Memorial Day weekend for us as we're recording this Saturday. Yeah, the rare Saturday episode for us. We've had a couple it, of those recently, man. We have. It's out. always it's always nice when you don't have fights. Um, and for you know on a Saturday, it always like you know it's tough like. Probably most fans hate having week off where there's not much, but like it is nice for us, especially on a holiday weekend. Yeah, because we get to knock it out Saturday. And now we have all day Sunday, all day Monday to relax. So, granted, they'll probably drop the biggest news on Sunday and Monday. They kind of do that to us. Yeah, but hey, we'll be right back with it next week. So either way, it works out. And this week we are going to do things a little different on the episode. We are going to start with the news mm-hmm. actually, and then we're going to hit. The UFC 500 thing that we said at the beginning, and we will finish with our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC Fight Night. Um, but before we hit the news, as always, we kindly ask that you rate, sub, and follow all things Neon Belly Podcast. Um, if you are listening on Apple or Spotify, we kindly ask that you would rate us five stars, write a review. Goes a long way to help us getting the pod out there. We also ask that you follow us on all social media at Neon Belly Podcast on all platforms and with that john let's get into the news going on the news uh, going on the news uh, uh. And if you don't like it brandon will punch you and give you a bruise the news. all right um last week after francis and ganu announced his deal dana white and the ufc made huge announcements for some fight cards among those is a title fight between Aljamain sterling and sean o'malley Shortly after that, Sterling made a statement saying, I told them yes, verbally agreed, but that my body has to agree to the fight because of lingering injuries. Afterwards, Dana White replied saying that uh, Aljo needs to get out of his own way. You know, he, he, I can't explain what's going on in his mind. Aljo saying that every time he's been asked, he's shown up. He, you know, he doesn't get credit from Dana. Um, said Dana's real nice behind closed doors, but saying he needs to get out of his way is it's just confusing to him. Um, Dana saying, why would you say that when you're promoting a fight? Do you want fans to think you're not going to show up? Don't say you'll go out there and fight if you're not healthy. You know, if you're not that, we'll make it another fight. We'll do an interim um, saying that I don't know where you're saying I don't give you credit. Aljo basically saying, you know, you made a fight the night of the fight. You didn't ask me about my injuries and saying if I was ready or not. But like I've done, usually I'm going to show up. I'm going to piss in people's Cheerios again. Sure. And, you know, it's un- I, I'm, I mean, yeah, 
did you have anything else off of that? No, that's that's, that's okay. What I got to yeah, it's unfortunate, man. Like it's so weird. Um, the whole aspect of all of this. Um, and I think it's so the you didn't put it in there, but the the to me the most shocking comments were you know Dana insisting that if he didn't want to fight that they would just do he should have said something and they could have set up an interim title. To me, that's the biggest news yeah. in all of this. Yeah, I said that in the middle oh, of it, but apologies. it was just there's so much to cover. We just wasn't trying to say everything. I was but yeah. real, I think that was the biggest part of it. Is so Dana said in a, a post fight scrum that Henry Cejudo called him and essentially said doesn't sound like Aljo wants to fight. I'm down to fight, whatever. Um, and then he just said basically that if he didn't want to fight, he should have notified them and they could have set up an interim title fight. But my thing is, the dude just fought. After neck surgery. Three months and we're going to set up an Recently. interim title fight? Like, yeah. what are we doing here? I mean, to me, that, I, I do agree with Aljo. Like, to me, that just seems like flat out just disrespectful. Like, there's no respect there for a guy in Aljo who... Um, I mean, the guy already gets a ton of disrespect. I, I mean, I encourage you. You want to talk about following our social media? Go to our most latest video, <laughs> uh, the Aljo video there, and go ahead and scroll through those comments. I mean, I, I I could go down a whole thing there, right, about just people that, you know, it's like, oh, well, everything's so debatable with Aljo. But, dude, the guy shows up. Yeah, Aljo's, and, and just wins. Aljo's never missed, uh, not shown up and made, not made way for any of his title fights. He's never said no. He's shown up. He's won. Has there been weird circumstances surrounding his fights? Absolutely. But he doesn't but that's not his. That. Yeah, yeah, it's not his fault. And the thing about it is, I do kind of feel like this is a little bit of the UFC being like, mm, maybe we're not all in on Aljo as the champ yet. You know, Cejudo said in one of his videos that he was essentially brought in to mm -hmm. be Aljo to get him out of the title seat because they, you know, maybe basically the UFC was trying to sell Henry on, you know, you and O'Malley's the bigger fight. Like that's the biggest fight. Mm -hmm. And um, what do you do? Yeah, he lost. He, I mean, he lost. And then yeah, he you spoiled know, him. And then even you know, again, you go to those comments on our video, and people are like, "Oh, you know, that was his only real win was debatable at best." And I'm like, "Dude, I mean, I don't know what more you want from this guy." Right. But to me, I, I just think it's crazy. I, I the fact that they would even consider an interim title fight, as you mentioned, for a guy coming off of neck surgery. Um, you know, he didn't just have it. He had right. it, you know, before the last fight, but still fairly recent. Took him a lot to even get back, but you never brought up an interim title fight, you know. All right. right. Maybe did they? Actually, I think they did. Yan won. Didn't Yan? Didn't they do an interim and Yan won it? Wasn't that a thing? Um, I don't I quite did, remember. Dude. I don't I know if they did. But the other part for me, though, is that, you know, he said that, yeah, I would do it as long as my injuries aren't there. And they're saying, well, if you're fight, then if you're saying you're hurt, don't take the fight. Well, he kind of did by saying, yeah. I got to see if my injuries will line up. Like, that's a huge turnaround for somebody. And that wasn't like a, you know, first round knockout. That was a drawn out hard fight. Yeah. Um, And, and I think that part of this goes to the reason I even brought up the fact that it came after with the fight announcements is, you know, maybe the UFC was trying to load that up so much that they was like, well, yeah. you know, as long as these guys say yes verbally, we're announcing it, which is not always the case well, of I mean, what they do. Yeah, and I mean, Sean O'Malley's big money. Um, you know, he's a big pay-per-view guy. Or, I mean, I don't even know. He's never main-evented a pay-per-view, so how do you even say that? But he is a big name. They are desperate for big fights right now. They need mm -hmm. it. You know, I, I, I know a lot of, like, champions aren't exactly available right now, but why would you force the guy that's been one of the more active ones and, um, 
it sounds like never really actually agreed to that fight. You got up mm-hmm. on stage and did exactly what you said you don't do, which is make fights the night of the fight. He's been doing that and, a lot recently. Yeah, and you know, he's always quick to say that's not what they do, but that's what happened and I mean, maybe fans got excited for it. I don't I don't really know, you know, the buzz around it. But yeah, just some really weird and just kind of like uh unfortunate circumstances there surrounding that. And it will be really interesting. You know, I know if if I was somebody given a microphone and I could ask questions at that media scrum, I think the first thing I would ask Aljo, and I hope somebody does, is are you comfortable being here? Like like does this feel weird mm-hmm. to you? Like are you even ready to fight? Do you want to fight? Um, it just, it just, it's really weird, man. You've got, I mean, the thing is, there's what nine UFC champ belt belts, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, Amanda holds two of them, um, and you are forcing one guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It just to me, it's like it, it's a bit odd. I think, I think they really. It is hard for me to sit here and not wonder, like, if they just want to push. They're just trying to get Aljo out of this seat. Well, and I think it's also how many of these other divisions have an O'Malley in the wings, yeah. too. And then you're in Boston. You're, you know, you're trying to take advantage the most you can of the money situation. Right. And do you see that him and Sean O'Malley's little back and forth where Aljamain basically said, well, then let's just do it in July then if you're so bad. And, yeah. And, um, O'Malley was like, yeah, I'm not that bad. I'll see you in August. Like, yeah. even he's I like, I need that. that. But, but, yeah, it's just, it is very interesting because, like you said, you have this guy who just beat, you know, an all-time great. And now you're trying to push him to keep on doing more instead of giving him a chance to be ready to make a better fight. Well, they tried to do it to Leon. And yeah. Leon was just basically like, <laughs> screw you, dude. Like, I'm not fighting. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? They kind of tried to do it to him. And I don't know why they're able to get it over on Aljo. I, I don't. I don't know, maybe because at the end of the day, he is just willing to say yes, like how he did mm-hmm. say there, like, I'll be, he is trying to be as respectful as possible, um, you know, he, I think he even put out something kind of saying like, hey, you know, Dana, uh, Hunter, like, you know, there's nothing personal against you guys, um, it just, it, it sucks kind of yeah. thing, but I don't know, man, it, it's, it is very interesting and, and it's very unfortunate. Well, and, and two, it's like, it almost seems bullying to say, well, we'll just give it to somebody else. We'll just do an interim fight and you can figure it out. Cause we've seen them kind of push, push situations around like that. Yeah. And it puts people in a position where they feel like they maybe have to do something they're not ready for. Right. And that could very well be what's happening with Aljo here. Sure. For sure. So, um, next thing we have in the news, uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on Francis's comments back from what Dana said about his situation. Uh, basically saying that he completed his contract was a free agent and chose to walk away and wasn't released. Uh, the comment about not taking risk, he replied he defended his title to fulfill his contract with no ACL or MCL. Also saying that he fought three times in three years because the UFC was trying to control his deal and make him sign a new one. Saying that he asked for fights and never said no to any fights in those three years. Then lastly saying that he got paid and respected and the deal was fair and equal for our, all parties. So why are you happy or why are you mad at me being free and happy essentially? I mean, forget all of that. How about the fact that Dana, we talked about this last week, got up on stage and said the whole thing about, I don't do gimmick fights. It's just not what we do here. Then literally the next day or like two mm-hmm. days later does an interview with, I don't even know what it was on. And uh, I think it was Pat McAfee. Yeah. And said, cause the whole like Tyson Fury, John Jones, right. they had some back and forth and said, Hey, if Tyson Fury wants to come in and fight in the UFC, we can talk like what? <laughs> We'll sign a contract. You can fight in a cage. So, again, Tyson Fury, boxing heavyweight champion, 
looked at as one of the baddest dudes on the planet. Mm-hmm. That resume is enough to come straight into the UFC for a heavyweight title fight. But again, Francis's right. UFC heavy titleweight reign isn't good enough to cross over and do boxing because that's gimmicky. Mm-hmm. But Tyson Fury, who's a boxing coming in straight in for a UFC heavyweight fight, isn't gimmicky. Right. Like, I mean, for like I said, Francis just I'm I I, I, I agree with what he's saying. He's yeah. spot on. But dude, you don't have to say nothing. I right. mean, he's. Dana's kind of put his foot in his mouth now twice on mm-hmm. this whole thing with these whole gimmick, these comments, and then there's instant rebuttals to everything he says. Right. Um, and yeah, to me that was just I could I just to me like when I heard that and I saw I I thought it was a joke. Right. Like I I kind of seen people saying that he had put that out there about like I thought it was a joke, and then I saw the clip mm-hmm. and he was like dead serious. Right. Like I, he wasn't joking. Which goes back to the point of if they're not making money off of it, it's yeah. a gimmick. But if they are, I mean, Dude, I just couldn't. I just could not believe that. Mm-hmm. Like you, you sat up there and you said Francis doing a boxing fight is gimmicky that's not what we do here and right. then you're talking if tyson fury wants and no mixed martial arts experience mm-hmm. as the guy has honestly tyson fury has literally done nothing but say essentially not verbatim but how dumb mixed martial arts is i think he even said to john jones i do real fighting i don't roll around with guys on the ground right. or something like that I, I i knock people out so you know not only is he not interested in mixed martial arts but it's not like he's exactly been a big supporter mm-hmm. of the sport or even seems that interested in it well and, I, and then crazy. even the the other turn of that is obviously fury was like john jones if you want to come box with me come box with me and john jones was like no dude i'm a cage fighter and then like to call the to, then obviously he tried to invite him into the cage and Dana saying, well, if you want to come over and do this, it's good. But Francis is actually trying to box this guy who is the best in the world in boxing. And that's not seen as like yeah. a, oh, this guy's trying to challenge himself. It's a gimmick. But like you said, the yeah. opposite is like, oh, yeah, dude, bring him in and we'll see what we can work out. It's just crazy. Like I said, duh. and then, you know, they always say we make the fights, you know, fans want to see it like. I feel like there's way more fans that would be more interested in seeing Francis box than Tyson Fury coming in facing one of the best mixed martial artists where, you know, I mean, not saying that he wouldn't have a puncher's chance, right? But we've seen that before. James Tony, Randy Couture. It ain't going to be much different. It's not going to be much different than the last John Jones fight. It would be exactly. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's just like there. I, I not. And the thing is, it's not like even when Dana said that there was an outcry of yes, we right. need to see Tyson. It up. We need to see that. You know what I mean? Again, like people know. Yeah, it's just silly. It's absolutely silly. Uh, in Bellator news, we learned that they're expected to launch a new flyweight division, and now they've announced that they will have a fight to introduce said division in July in Japan. Former Bellator and Ryzen bantamweight champion Kyoji Horiguchi, or yeah, Horiguchi, will be facing Makoto. Takahashi in the inaugural or inaugural Bellator flyweight title. That card will be headlined by a lightweight Grand Prix quarterfinals fight between AJ McKee and Patricky Pitbull. And this will also be on the same weekend as UFC 291. Yeah, and which um, is and Poirier. Yeah, which is Gaethje and Poirier. So that's um, a huge fight for them. Adding well, the division. That, that'll probably be a Friday night, though. Yeah, that's what I'm so, thinking in or, Japan. Or, or if it's in Japan, same weekend. Yeah, and if it's in Japan, it could even be like Saturday morning. Right. So I don't know how that'll work for us on our time zone, but yeah, I mean, I think that's cool. Bellator adding a, a flyweight division. Um, you know, Dana's always been kind of hot and cold about the UFC's flyweight division, mm-hmm. so it is nice that at least now. You know, I, I don't think the flyweight division in the UFC is going anywhere, but this will another option, right, for guys like kind of like how we talked about last week with um, 
Dan- DC saying Francis making, you know, it feel real to be a free agent. Well, mm-hmm. imagine being a flyweight and trying to be a free agent. You know, you're trying to negotiate with the UFC. You know, it's essentially one or bust. Like, right. it's either you go to one or you're sticking here in the UFC or you're back to the regionals trying to find smaller guys to fight you. So, shout out to Bellator, at least, like I said, then, given, given options. Then being connected to Ryzen, too. Yeah. I mean, and that whole relationship has been something that, like, I don't think it's talked about enough in MMA, the fact that they're able to do these with their champions and give yeah. guys chances to go overseas and, you know, build their brand. Right. Um, the last bit of news we have is in boxing. Uh, after huge fights between Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia and then Haney and Lomachenko, a huge fight being announced as Errol Spence Jr. will be fighting Terrence Bud Crawford. Uh, they have agreed to fight in July, happening the same weekend as um, Poirier and Gaethje. Yeah. And then obviously now the same weekend as this Bellator card. So that's going to be Yeah, it's going to be a big possibly, weekend for combat sports. Yeah. I mean... I can't imagine what the uh, reaction is going to come from all that as we do the episodes. Yeah, so. I'm really glad that, you know, at least, you know, boxing is able to start putting some of these big fights together. And I hope it's a trend that actually And continues. I think the pressure from, like I said, tanking Garcia happening and then Haney and Lomachenko yeah. finally happening. You don't want to be the guys that didn't do it now that these guys are actually doing it. Yeah, so. you just don't want to see. Yeah, they just still that. I mean, that, that Lomachenko-Haney decision is still just mm-hmm. kind of baffling. And they're actually challenging it. Yeah. And it can crazy. get turned over to either giving Lomachenko the belt or that a no never, contest. If that's anything like MMA, though, that yeah. never happens. Like, literally never, ever Right, happens. for sure. So, you know, they can do it, you know, formally just to say they did. But I'd be very, very shocked if that changes right. the outcome of that fight. You know, you're just never going to do it. Is that it? Yep. Alrighty, that is the news. So we are going to move on to what we're calling UFC 500. I... I've traveled to different countries. Mm-hmm. I've been to about five different countries. I've traveled all over diff- the our country, different states. No matter where I go, I'm talking Costa Rica, Jamaica, Canada, Mexico. I mean, um, Ohio, Ohio, South Carolina. It doesn't matter where you go. If usually, especially if you're in a tourist area, you get asked by locals, "Where are you from?" You know, you're at mm-hmm. a restaurant. If I say Indiana, the first thing that I always get back is, oh, the Indy 500. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like everybody all over the world knows the Indy 500. If nothing else, it is a big deal here in Indiana. It's It's always baffling to people. When I then say I've never actually been to the 500, they don't get it because for so many people, uh, it's like one of those things where it's like, dude, I, I, like I want to go mm-hmm. to the Indy 500. And I'm like, yeah, I just never been like 300,000 people in Indianapolis just doesn't. Although I, I can say tonight we are going down for an Indy 11 game. So I'm sure that's going to mm-hmm. be uh, I saw a statistic that said one in 10,000 Americans will be at the Indy 500. That's because they're expecting like yeah. record numbers. So it is snake pit area. It is massive man have you seen like the amount of like historical buildings and areas that fit inside that track uh-uh. like, on the, like there's like a graphic of like yeah different different stuff that fits in the middle well every year they do the christmas lights and mm-hmm. so i've done that and you literally drive out on the track all through it um and they have it like decorated for christmas it's kind of expensive but it's kind of fun too right uh so if you're ever around i definitely highly encourage that it's fun it is fun uh you get to drive around the track and look at christmas lights so it is big i have actually been on the track um but it is a big deal so in honor of memorial day weekend and the indy 500 we are going to do something we are calling as i mentioned ufc 500 um and it's things like this that 
you can say we have bad takes. You can say we don't know what we're talking about, but you can never doubt that we are as hardcore mm-hmm. as hardcore gets and as nerdy as nerds get when it comes to uh, mixed martial arts and especially the UFC. Uh, so what we did was we took some of our favorite UFC pay-per-view main event memories and the stipulation is the number of the pay-per-views, so whatever, so like UFC 125, whatever you did, they had to add up to exactly 500. Mm -hmm. So you had to pick uh, pay-per-views that add up perfectly to 500, no limit on how many. Um, but for example, you know, you could do the main events of UFC 200, UFC 190 and UFC 110. All those add up to 500. Right. I believe so. Um, <laughs> at least I quickly did the math and that seemed right. Um, but they just had to be the main events and it had to be important. This is extremely difficult because obviously, like I just did there, we could have picked any random main events and said, Oh, that's 500. Uh, mm-hmm. but we really wanted to choose ones that were special. Um, and ones that, uh, for us were some of our favorite moments and memories as fans. Uh, and I'd encourage people give it a try. This is not easy. No. Uh, I ran through many different, different ones. Um, and some at the end, I told you, like, I was like, man, I just couldn't make them work. Yeah, I had to leave some classics. Yeah. Yeah. You get down, you get into those early, uh, pay-per-view, uh, UFC pay-per-view days. And some of those were some pretty dark days. Yeah. They didn't even have the main event. They were named uh, like redemption. And- yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They were, there were some dark days in there. So, um, I got three. I don't mm. know how many do you I got have? four. So John's got four. I got three. Uh, so with that, John, why don't you start? Give us your first uh, pay-per-view and uh, memory and why. Okay. And I'm doing this as oldest to, to most recent. Oh, you can do okay. it in any order you want. It okay. doesn't matter. So UFC 60, May two, uh, 2006, Matt Hughes defeats Hoist Gracie by first round TKO. Huge was the welterweight champion at the time and fought Hoist at a 175 catchweight. It was Hoist's first fight back in the U.S. and in the UFC since UFC 5 after winning 1, 2, and 4. Um, Everybody was touting this as the return of the legend, and he was met with the evolution of the sport. At the time, I I felt like I was more of a casual. I I knew a couple names, but I didn't know the guys on the undercard or something like I do now. And uh, the name Gracie was the pinnacle of the UFC at the time. You know, it's, sure. they started it and, you know, they were just that, that that legendary family. So many people, including myself, thought it was going to be a really good fight. But after a couple light strikes, uh, Matt Hughes took Hoist down. And everyone got excited thinking, oh, yeah, Hoist, this is his game plan. Yeah, but a little too much. Too loud. Hughes takes side control, gets a nasty straight arm bar that Hoist was never going to tap out of. He was going to let him take his arm home. Pretty sure he probably broke his elbow there. Um, then took his back, flattened him out, rained down punches. And then it felt like this was the start of the Gracie family starting to send family members into MMA to kind of get back what they had in early UFC days. But it just never really happened. And it made fans realize that the sport was evolving and that wrestlers were the real deal and here to stay even today. Yeah, then Matt Hughes a couple years later did Henzo. Exactly. Yeah. Henzo Gracie tried to come in. Yeah. The so UFC. it was just like the start of this. Like they, they kept on trying yeah. to send people at these guys and it just didn't work. So UFC 60 for John, that means you now have a balance of what? 440 if my math is correct on mm-hmm. that. All right. I'm coming right out. UFC 128. John Jones defeating Mauricio Shogun Hua by third round TKO. Um, obviously, this was when Jones won his UFC lightweight uh, title, became the youngest champion, UFC champion of all time um and it goes without saying obviously i'm a massive john jones fan mm-hmm. uh but the way in which that he just dismantled
dismantled Shogun at 23 years old. I mean, a, a legend and a guy is even at that point as seasoned as Shogun was, uh, was just unreal. Um, and it's honestly something I don't know that we'll ever see again. I mean, how many of these young mixed martial artists are we like, oh, maybe they're going to be the youngest champion? And it's, dude, it ain't easy. Yeah. Um, so just to see a young 23-year-old guy uh, accomplish something like that was uh, just phenomenal. So, yeah, there's 128 of my 500. Tough day for Dino. Yeah, yeah, our boy Damien Swoke, <laughs> Dino Swoke. Big Shogun fan. That was a fun one for me. Uh, all right. For my next one, UFC 64. A couple months later, October 20 or 2006, after winning his first fight in the UFC, the UFC put a poll together on their page to ask fans who his next opponent should be, and they voted that he should be facing the champion. So in his second fight in the UFC, Anderson the Spider Silva fought Rich Franklin at UFC 64, winning by TKO in the first round. And uh, it was the, oh, there's a new meta in MMA moment when Anderson put that Muay Thai clinch on. Yeah. Just started raining on his body, ended up connecting with the face and breaking his nose. Uh, Franklin ended up falling on the ground after that, and they stopped the fight. Uh, after that, Anderson goes on to successfully defend the title 10 times. Um, it was just like a, a thing where – you know, Anderson just came in so quick. And then we've seen him obviously use that Muay Thai clinch way more fights after that. But Rich Franklin, if there's no Anderson Silva, maybe holds the belt for who knows how much longer. But it was a, uh, it was when I obviously you had the Chris Lieben fight first, but getting that title and then going on that run just really uh, put me in that Anderson Silva super fan mode. All right, my next one, I'm going UFC 205, which brings my total to 333 of my 500 available. Um, and that is when Conor McGregor defeated Eddie Alvarez by second round TKO, uh, first ever UFC double champ. Uh, just an unreal moment in mixed martial arts history. Um, you know, that picture of Conor sitting on top of the cage with both of those titles on his shoulder, um, that's iconic. It's going to live forever. Again, mm -hmm. obviously. I'm a massive Conor McGregor fan. Um, that also gave us one of the greatest sound bites of all time. I'd like to take this time to apologize to absolutely nobody. <laughs> the double champ does what he wants. Exactly. Uh, it's just a moment, again, I'll remember forever seeing that, uh, being able to witness it, and just the whole climb of Conor McGregor to that point is another thing that I just don't know that we'll ever see again in mixed martial arts. So there we are. UFC 205, UFC 128. Like I said, that brings my total to 333. Nice. So for next one, I'm going UFC 142. Happened in January 2012. It was the first pay-per-view of the year and to me is the greatest post-fight moment in all time. Uh, in front of his home country, Jose Aldo defeats Chad Mendez with a vicious knee at the literal last second, four minutes and 59 seconds. Afterwards, he jumped the cage, uh, ran out into the crowd with his family and friends and was celebrating. And not only was it an amazing knockout, but the arena erupted. Uh, the visual of Aldo hugging everybody was just something I'll never forget. And ironically, as amazing as that knee knockout was, he didn't win knockout of the night from it because there was a young guy named Edson Barbosa who threw a wheel kick at Terry Edom that same night. Yeah. But um, I'll just never forget that feeling, him breaking the hands, turning over and throwing that knee right at the last second and then celebrating with his family. Now, when guys jump the cage, security is very quick to try to yeah. jump in front of people to keep him from doing it. But I'll never forget that night. Absolutely. And since I got to 333, that means I only have 167 remaining. So we're going to UFC 167, where GSP defeated Johnny Hendricks mm -hmm. uh, via unanimous decision, and this worked out so well. Uh, 
neither of these guys are two of my favorites, like, you know, the last two with Connor and Jones. Um, but if you were a fight fan during this time, this was massive. This was a massive, massive fight at this time. Um, you had GSP, who was GSP, just dominating everybody, right? Then you got this guy, Johnny Hendricks, who appeared to have all of the tangible skills to, to beat and the mm-hmm. skill set to beat GSP. He was a Division One wrestler from Oklahoma State. Devastating one-punch knockout I power. Can, baby. You go watch the Martin Campman knockout Oof. where Johnny Hendricks knocked him out. It's scary. Mm-hmm. One of the scariest knockouts you'll ever watch. And I think that was a fight or two before he fought GSP. And again, Division One wrestler, right? Um, then the fight itself was just fantastic. Um, right. And it was extremely close. And to this day... I still think Johnny Hendricks won that fight. I actually went back and rewatched it doing this. Still feel like Johnny Hendricks won that fight. I, I mean, remember feeling like that after watching man, it he live. he beat GSP up, dude. I mean, just, like, again, guys, this, I can't explain just how big this fight was it, it, during this time period, you know, as mm-hmm. we were fans. Again, I'm, I wasn't a crazy fan of either of them. Right. Um, but just so big for the sport and, and, and at this time. Um but what it more uh, what was more significant to me about it, and I've talked about it on the podcast before, is was the UFC primetime ending, uh, the the last episode of UFC primetime and how it ended. Uh, it almost gives me goosebumps just kind of talking about it. But for you youngins, prime times <laughs> uh, prime times were essentially what the embeddeds are now. Only they were on Spike TV instead of YouTube. Um, but like the week of the fight, they would kind of do like backstory and document mm-hmm. the guy guys training and getting ready for the fight it was phenomenal way right. better than the embedded it's 100 better mm-hmm. embedded more covers to be fair fight week this kind of you know follow the guys and they cover more people whereas yeah. these were just like the main event they, they co- main event they yeah sometimes they cover more than that but yeah, yeah for the most part um but all i ask is that you go to youtube and type in gsp versus johnny hendrix primetime ending uh and if you feel nothing i got nothing for you as a fan <laughs> of this sport um, I was dead broke. I was a broke college student at Ivy Tech at the time. Um, and when I say broke, I mean broke. And when this episode ended, I bought this pay-per-view. Um, it was like one of the first ones I actually spent real yeah. money on, if I'm being honest. Um, Had some PB&Js. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I can also understand that, you know, if you weren't a fan during this, maybe it won't hit you the same way. Um, and the reason it hits so hard is because Hendrix was GSP's biggest threat up in mm-hmm. my opinion up to this time in his career you know you could say bj penn but even bj was a little bit past the prime a little bit um and i think he was undoubtedly i told you gsp was afraid of hendrix going into yeah. this fight um and i don't mean that like and he was trying to duck him or he didn't want to fight him i mean the type of afraid where you could tell gsp understood the threat of which he was facing and it kind of brought the best out of him mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that i mean just everything that went into it was just fantastic and talking about an 85 who made 70 absolutely yeah <laughs> with johnny Hendricks. yeah and so uh when i when i threw together you know 205 plus 128 and i was like let me go see what once again i saw it i was like yeah perfect so that is my 500 right there all righty so i'm at 266 right now uh originally i did only have three my last one would be 124 and i split that up between 60 and 64 because it just worked out Um, but this last one is by far um, one of the biggest ones for me as a fan Uh, so I have 234 left so at UFC 234 February 2019 in Melbourne Australia on a card that was supposed to be headlined by a middleweight title fight between Robert Whitaker and Kelvin Gastelum but due to an injury we had a different main event and that was Anderson Silva versus Israel Adesanya 
Uh, in a world where we hardly ever get to see our dream fights, in retrospect, this was definitely one for me. At the time, I obviously, and I'm still one of the biggest Anderson Silva fans, and I was a newly fan to Israel Adesanya, but there was no way I was taking him over Anderson in this fight. Sure. Um, and Izzy was a huge uh, Silva fan as well and paid homage to him being an inspiration. And a lot of people saw Izzy as like a second coming of Anderson as far as their styles uh, and their their uh, level of striking. Right. So seeing that chess match between the both of these guys is something I'll never forget. Uh, Izzy ended up winning the decision, but I also remember the fight being the only fight that Izzy looked like he was like starstruck or like he was fighting his hero. Like he didn't, there was moments where I felt like he could turn up and he didn't because yeah. he was enjoying the back and forth exchange between the two. But I also feel like remembering that if Anderson was a couple years younger, he could have got that decision because it was yeah. so uh, back and forth. And although we never will get to see Anderson and GSP or Anderson and John Jones as a fan of both of these guys, I I actually got to see my two favorites fight and I'll never forget that. Yeah, not a great fight, but I definitely understand the pick there is, you know, being a fan of both of them. Yeah, I just remember so many moments of both of them almost catching each other or something or just trying stuff that we just don't see. Yeah, it was kind of like that DC where it was just like almost like a sparring. It mm -hmm. just felt like a sparring match more than anything, you know, because probably because there was a side of Izzy that like, right. you know, felt like, oh, I don't really want to tee off on this guy. Right. And, you know, Anderson wasn't just at that point didn't have the the juice so to speak to really mm -hmm. compete with somebody on Adesanya's level but yeah I mean I totally get that like I said as being a big fan of both of them so that's John's 500 you got my 500 John let's move on UFC fight night our main event this Saturday June 3rd live from the apex uh, this event was due to be headlined by Jack Hermanson versus Brendan Allen However, Hermanson dropped off due to injury, so our new main event in the flyweight division, number three, Kai Kata France versus number seven, Amir Albazi. Uh, John, not that you need me to tell you, but Kai Kata France is returning for the first time since his third round TKO loss to Brandon Moreno last July. Uh, that fight was for the interim UFC flyweight championship, and he was riding a solid three-fight win streak coming into that fight. Mm -hmm. uh, Kai was set to face Alex Perez back in Feb February, but was forced to withdraw due to a knee injury. He is returning after almost one year off against flyweight contender Amir Albazi. Albazi has one professional loss in his 17 career fights so far and has earned this big fight because he's coming in on a five-fight win streak. A perfect 4-0 in the UFC, and of those five wins, three are first-round submissions, one decision, and his last fight back in December, a third-round knockout over debutante Alessandro Costa. Uh, Costa was a late replacement fill-in for Albazi's original opponent, Brandon Royval, who pulled out due to injury. So this is a big step up for mm -hmm. Albazi in competition, a fight he's very much deserving of, uh, but has he shown enough so far to make you think he can get past one of the best active flyweights in Kai Kata France? John, what is your pick? Do you uh, have it queued up? It's queued up. Okay, Let's yeah. You already know, man. Um, but and and I do feel like the the lack of that high level competition might show in this. I mean, you're talking about a Kai Car France who's fought the best of the best in the division, sure, and even some of the better grapplers. When you talk about Askar Askarov and some of the other people that yeah. he's fought, um, Albazi definitely does have 
you know, if you're going to fight somebody like Kaikara, you probably want to take him down and do what yeah. he does as far as his jujitsu and his control. Sure. But I do think that Kaikara France, having fought, like I said, like um, some really good Askar Askarov being the main one of getting out of some very tough submission situations and being able to stuff takedowns and land big shots of his own. I see Kaikara doing that same thing. I will call second round TKO. Yeah. Albazi's a guy who has had horrible luck. Uh, mm -hmm. with fights falling apart and it's honestly something that kind of affects this whole division you know i could be wrong but i bet flyweights have the highest rate of top 10 fights Nail that cop. fall apart <laughs> due to injury i mean it's crazy i don't know what it is about these flyweights man but it's just so tough to keep big fights together a lot mm -hmm. of times but because of that this is his biggest fight and his his biggest main and it is in a main event spot which is even bigger yeah. right um and, but it's not for lack of trying like i said he's had some big fights booked they just fall apart um but the reason he's getting it is because the talent is undeniable right uh but i just haven't seen enough yet to believe that he can defeat Kaikara France. You know, I believe Albazi definitely, as you said, holds the advantage on the ground. Um, but yeah, Kai has proven to be really tough to take down as well. I think Kai also holds a, a very distinct advantage on uh, in the striking. Mm -hmm. um, now, if Albazi can land some early takedowns, I think it could be interesting, especially over five rounds. But I do like Kai here, and I'll say fourth round KO TKO finish. Yes, sir. I think it's a. Um Good chance for Kaikar to get back into it. And if Albazi can pull this off, he throws his name right into a hat that sure. needs new names at this point. And we're going to do something a little different because there is a fight a little further down this card that I think is worthy of us like previewing and actually doing a big three-pointer. Uh, but there is a couple fights I do want us to at least do some one-point picks for, and we'll do that first. Okay. The first one is the co-main event. Bruce Leroy, Alex Caceres versus Daniel Pineda. Uh, Caceres is fighting for the first time as a top 15 featherweight. As he is sitting just inside the rankings at 15, a winner of six in his last seven, and comes in off an impressive first-round finish over Julian Erosa last December. His opponent, Daniel Pineda, has had an interesting uh, second stint in the UFC as he is currently 2-1-1 one, one since returning to the promotion. Uh, he is coming in off a big second-round sub-finish over Tucker Lutz back in March. John, who mm -hmm. you taking? I'm taking Bruce Leroy, baby. That, last, that knockout in his last fight... One of the quickest strikes I've ever seen. I like him in this. Uh, he, he does these things where he goes on a run, then he loses one and goes on a run. I think this is still part of his run. Yeah, Caceres for the win for me too here. Pineda is a tough vet, but you know so is Bruce Leroy. Plus, I think Pineda's best bet is to catch Caceres in a submission, uh, but we know how good Caceres is on the ground. He has been submitted, um, but I could see it being a gritty fight, and it may come down to a close decision, but I, I do like Caceres here. Uh, next fight for one point, John. Jim Miller versus Jared Gordon. Uh, we will always preview a Jim Miller fight here, John, and that's because he no human has more fights or wins in UFC history than Jimmy Mill ticket. He is coming in off a loss to Alex Hernandez, which snapped a three-fight win streak for Miller. Gordon coming in off the no contest versus Bobby Green just a few weeks ago where an accidental headbutt knocked him out. John, who you got? I'm going Jim Miller, baby. We're chasing history over here. <laughs> I think he's a really crafty guy, and he's started to add these elements of striking to his game that make him a little bit more unpredictable um, in some of these situations where you thought maybe, oh, he has to drag this guy down. He's willing to bang with people, and if he does get you down, that guy just has 100 million ways to choke you. Yeah, I'm going to take Jared Gordon here. You know, that Hernandez loss was really tough for Miller. Um, I mean, he just kind of got beat up bad there. Mm -hmm. It was kind of hard to watch at times. Um, I do love Jim Miller. He's tough as nails. Uh, 
but to be taking beatings like that at almost 40 years old is rough. Um, now, if anybody can bounce back at an age like that from a beating like that, it is Jim Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a quick turnaround, I think, for a guy like Jared Gordon, who, as I mentioned, he went out pretty cold there from that Bobby yeah. Green headbutt. That was only like four weeks ago. Um, but I think Gordon can win this on the feet or possibly even on the ground as good as Jim Miller is. Uh, Miller is a crafty submission threat, obviously, but I do like Jared Gordon. Nice. And for Gordon, I mean, he needs a clear, you know, um, a good win here because you go from the patty fight where people thought he won the decision and there's a bunch of stuff around that. And then you have this headbutt happen. So he's due for something big like that. But like I said, my sure. boy Miller's chasing that history. And that brings us to the last fight. This is the one we're going to feature for all three points. And it is Jamie Malarkey versus Guram Kutataladze. John, this is a great fight against two guys who honestly, if not for them both being lightweights, which is one of the deepest divisions, would probably both be ranked, honestly. Uh, the heavy-handed Aussie Malarkey is coming in as a winner of four in his last five. He is currently riding a two-fight win streak with back-to-back wins over Michael Johnson and most recently Francisco Prado. His opponent, the Georgian Viking, Guram Kutataladze, comes in off a razor-close split decision lost to Demir Ismagulov almost one year ago to the date. Kutataladze joined the UFC in 2020, but has only fought twice in the promotion, tout, promotion touting a one-and-one record. Uh, his one win, though, was in his UFC debut, and it was, um, and this is why hardcores are impressed by this guy and know him. Uh, he narrowly defeated Matej Gamrat by split decision. Um, also, before that Ismagulov loss, Guram was on a nine-fight win streak for his career. Um, he's dealt with injuries, a couple bout cancellations as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that he's getting a guy like Malarkey, who's on a two-fight win streak, and he's when he's coming in on a loss, tells you exactly what the UFC thinks of him. Um, I don't know if top 15 is on the line because it's so hard to break into in that division. Uh, but mm-hmm. these guys are definitely top talent in the lightweight division. And with that, John, who are you taking for three points? Man, this is this is going to be a really good fight, man. With Malarkey, you're looking at like you know Jalen Turner being his most recent loss, who we know how good. Yeah, there's you know, a lot the of people. Yeah, of a lot of Turner people are going to lose to Jalen Turner, who taking pictures next to Hamzat Shumayev, who's a middleweight, and Jalen Turner looks like a 205er. Like I yeah. just, I sent that picture to you and Brandon. And I said, somebody explain the science yeah. on how Jalen Turner makes 155. Pounds. I don't. I have no idea. I don't get. He it must either. have like hollow bones or something. <laughs> it's weird. It is so crazy. And then for you know for Guram, you know you have a, a close win over Gamrot and a close loss over Demir. Yeah. If both of those go W's, he's probably looking at fighting, you know, somebody very high ranked. Sure. Um, so that's two. I feel like Guram has two really big fights there. Whereas Malarkey, his biggest fight being Jalen Turner, and he lost. But Guram being in there and having, uh, you know, six rounds with two of the toughest guys in the whole division, I think is something that he can lean on in this. I'm gonna take Guram, and I'm gonna say, um, I'll say by decision. I think he's going to be able to mix in. He's super tough. Mm-hmm. He loves to stay in the pocket. He has the wrestling chops. I think it's something that he can use. And Malarkey is going to stay in there the whole time. He's not going to fade away. Yeah. So I think I have Guram by decision. Yeah, I think it comes down you know, to do you like the consistency in recent form that Malarkey has displayed or do you believe in the clear top-level talent that we've seen from Kuta Taladze despite the injuries and lack of activity? For me, I just can't deny what we've seen from Guram is talent with clear potential to compete for a world title one day. Um, he's extremely well-rounded, um, and the guys he's faced are as top-level as you're going to mm-hmm. find in this division. Um, now both fights, honestly, were so close and could have went either way. 
But to beat a guy like Gamrot is no coincidence. Whether you agreed with that decision or not, you don't get lucky against guys like that, especially in decisions. You know, we've seen bad decisions, but you're not going to get a bad decision against a guy like Gamrot. You right. gotta you gotta compete with that guy to beat him, right? Um, now I think Mularkey definitely has a chance with his one punch knockout power. He's deceptively big and long for this division, and his straight punches are filth, man. And that's mm-hmm. when he's at his best when he's using his length and laying in those long jabs and. And twos right down the middle, uh, but man, doing it against a guy with K, the K one experience that Guram have is is so tough in this fight. Um, and Malarkey isn't a guy who has really shown that he is capable of getting fights to the ground consistently either. You know, he did display some nice takedown defense in his last fight, having landed three in that fight alone. But every other fight where he's landed multiple takedowns and actually outlanded takedowns against his opponent, he's lost. Yeah. Um, so that kind of tells me if Malarkey is shooting takedowns, it's probably not a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, with a guy like Guram, who, as you said, he's been inactive, but he's so well-rounded. Um, but you don't know what you're going to get, right? Mm-hmm. So that, there is that question mark as well. Is is he ready? Trains at a great gym, though. Um, the MA All-Stars there with Hamza and that whole team. Um, obviously, Gustafs and a couple guys are part of that team. So, did just get his black belt I saw on his Instagram. Nice. So, um, I do like a decision here as well. You obviously took it. Um, I will say, I'll go ahead and say, because Malarkey is so tough. Michael Johnson did catch Malarkey early, and mm-hmm. that fight was great. Oh, that, yeah. that first round, they caught each other, dropped each other. I'll say I'll say Guram's second round KO, TKO. But to me, hands down, this is the best fight on this yeah. card. We can I mean, very well see this move up, possibly. It was a late addition. Mm-hmm. To this card, obviously with the change-ups, they needed, they needed to add some depth to it and give it um, another big fight, and so that's what this kind of is. It is a big fight. Um, I love it, though. Uh, yeah, to this, me, this is this is one of the best you know fight night cards they've put together in a dude, little while. I mean, you can keep going now. Andre Arlovsky's on this against Dante Mays. Tim um, Elliott. Tim Elliott's on this card. Uh, there's there's some big names on this card, man. It's it's really a good... Um, what's his name? Nurmagomedov. Oh, uh, Abu... Uh, yeah. I think it's like Abu Bakbar, uh, yeah. Abu Bakbar, but they just call him Abu. Yeah, yeah. Abu Nurmagomedov's on this card. Um, yeah, there's some really solid fights, so definitely check this out this coming Saturday. And that's what we got, folks. Quick episode, obviously, with it being the holiday weekend. Wanted to get it in, though. Uh, we did kind of, we kind of debated, like, man, this is the week that maybe we miss our first episode, but we couldn't nah, do that. There's no, there's no, today. there's no missing episodes. <laughs> maybe here. tomorrow. Yeah, but maybe tomorrow. Uh, I got song of the week, and it is pool season, John, and it officially begins this weekend for me. So I'm gonna go Drake back outside, boys, because nice. we're back outside. We have some legendary pool mixes. People don't know it. That was a thing for us. That was a big deal, you know. Uh, Before we go to the pool, yeah, my grandparents have a pool, and that's the pool that we're referencing. And yeah, we used to, man. Sometimes we'd probably spend more time putting together a pool mix than actually being at the pool. <laughs> and most of them like had eighty percent of the same songs on. You just threw one or two extra ones. Absolutely. The burnt CD age was different. Man. It was very different. John, what is your one for the people? Uh, my one for the people is just obviously uh, with it being Memorial Day weekend, just appreciating the people who uh, sacrificed and, and all those things, but also you know hoping everybody stays safe uh, celebrating with your family, man. Absolutely. Well, if they're listening to this, they were safe. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a plus. Well, some people are celebrating on Monday, too, because they have it off work. I guess that's a good point. Fair enough. Fair oh. enough. 
Maybe we move the episode back to Tuesday. Maybe. You never know. You'll find out if you're listening uh, to this. Absolutely. My one for the people, uh, please go to the MMA Underground YouTube and check out my recent inter- interviews with Maurice Green and Cedric Dumbe. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, dude, I can't thank John Morgan and Cody Marrow uh, for the opportunities that they've kind of given me. You know, I'm learning a lot and kind of getting a peek behind the curtain, so to speak, and about, you know, a lot of this stuff. Um, but to interview somebody like Cedric Dumbe, that was just pretty nuts, man. Pretty unreal. And I can't, mm-hmm. you know, I'm glad. I'm just so appreciative, obviously, that they gave me that opportunity. Um, but if you support that content, you're also supporting us as well. So it's very much appreciated. Uh, you can just go search MMA Underground um, on their U- or in YouTube, and it'll lead you to their YouTube page and stuff. And then, you know, obviously, we have the Kickback Show on there, which uh, the next one won't be this Friday, but next Friday. Mm-hmm. We'll have our next Kickback right ahead of UFC... Is it 290? 290. It's yeah, Amanda Mendes. Yeah. So uh, so that'll be our next live show over there. So again, as you're supporting their content, you're also supporting us and vice versa. So uh, make sure you check them out. Follow them. But yeah, just uh, go check those out because it's, it's a lot of work that goes into those. And um, like I said, it's, uh, it's only going to help us in our podcast. So that's what I and got. And it's people you might not know. So getting a chance to get to know these people that are yeah. very well have the potential to blow up. And, you know, even like a Maurice Green, you know, you talk about Francis yeah. and stuff like that, uh, the opportunities there. So, yeah. And if you don't, I mean, if you don't know who Cedric Dumbe is, uh, one of with Francis, they were the two biggest free agents in mixed martial arts. Um, and Cedric actually signed with the UFC and was supposed to debut on that UFC France card. Well, he got injured. You know, what's crazy hearing him talk. I think it was a similar thing that happened with Cam Van Camp. They mm. found something like a thing on his brain or something like that. And they kind of had to like put put a pause on the fight like uh make sure you know and then one doctor was like yeah no i don't feel comfortable so the ufc was like we can't let you fight but then he said he went to another doctor and they were like there's nothing here like you're Mm -hmm. fine which does happen you know we know obviously from the cam stuff that that does happen so it kind of like and then i think the ufc kind of pulled his contract because he'd never technically fought so he was a free agent and he was actually talking to every promotion including the ufc and uh him and francis there right in the same week both announced Mm -hmm. uh that they signed with the pfl so i'm telling you man pfl is making some big splashes um but he is uh but cedric is a um uh i almost said k1 not k1 uh glory glory Two-time glory middleweight or welterweight champion, uh, 11-time kickboxing champion. So him coming into mixed martial arts is a big deal. He is 4 no's a mixed martial artist, but this is kind of his big promotion debut. So Mm -hmm. uh, definitely make sure you look out for that. He'll be fighting in June. But, um, yeah, from he is from France. Well, he's Cameroonian. That was kind of the other thing. Him and Francis both Cameroonian descent, uh, but obviously both French as well. So Mm -hmm. cool interview. Go check it out. And that's what we got. Yes, sir. We out of here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Make sure you come back next Monday and we'll talk about it then. I don't even know what it is. Oh, it'll be UFC. Well, actually, we'll recap this card Mm -hmm. and then we're going to have to figure something else out because I just realized we don't preview pay per views anymore, but we'll we'll talk about it then. Come back. We'll talk about some other stuff. Yeah, we'll talk about you guys then. (laughs) We'll see you guys next Monday. Peace. Peace.